0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Hi, this is Donna Haleson. Welcome to PetLife Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. Thanks so much for tuning in. In this episode, we're very happy to have with us John Erickson, Author of the Hank the Cowdog series of humorous mystery books for children. More than 7.5 million copies of his books have been sold since 1983. And his 57th volume, The Disappearance of Drover, was just released as was the audio version of the book. Hank holds the title for the longest running series of children's audiobooks ever produced. Erickson writes the Hank books from the point of view of a dog, a dog who can't quite understand why he's so misunderstood. The volumes are filled with humor, western parlance, and details that could only be provided by one who lives the life of a small-town rancher. Titles include The Case of the Incredible Priceless corn Cob, The Case of the One-Eyed Killer Stud Horse, The Case of the Dinosaur Birds, and The Case of the Car Barkaholic Dog. Along for the ride with the bumbling Hank in these adventures are the hilariously written Cowboy Slim, ranch owners Sally May and High Loper, Hank's bosom buddy, the loyal yet timid Mutt Drover, and sworn enemies like Hank's chief competitor for table scraps, Pete the Barn Cat. On the Hank the Cowboy website, fans can explore the fictional ranch setting via an interactive map, Or they can play online games related to the books from Mad Libs to Puzzles to Tic-Tac-Toe. They can meet the characters and peruse titles in the series. There's also a shop where Hank the Cowdog t-shirts, character puppets, and more are on offer. Posts can become members of Hank's Security Force for just $12.95 for two years. Security Force members receive a Hank paperback of their choice, discounts on selected Hank items each quarter, a bookmark and poster, an eight issue subscription to the Hank Times newspaper, and special access to secret web pages on the site. Hank's creator, John Erickson, will be speaking to us from his hometown in Perryton, Texas, where he is sitting with a group of homeschooled, junior high, and high school students who were raised on Hank the Cowdog Stories. At the tail end of the program, we'll also be chatting with Phil and Amy Cruz, owners of the Circle View Ranch in Interior, South Dakota, who will share with us how they were inspired by John's books. To name their own border collie and head of ranch security, Hank, the cow dog. All that when we return from these messages.
0: Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause.
2: Buster, you're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves. That's right. Didn't pass one of
0: my pet co-certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition, I guarantee it. Petco, with healthy pets go. Enter the code LUCKY10, L-U-C-K-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com.
3: play tennis because i love to but inside i want to win
0: take away the court the net i might not be a player but i'll always be a competitor lady footlocker understands that lady footlocker the first to carry adidas off court shoes and the gear that goes with them if you play your best
2: there's no regret lady footlocker one place every woman
0: Go to ladyfootlocker.com and enter the code AFMAC1LF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFMOL2LF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at ladyfootlocker.com like your business to reach out and invite in our audience we have a brand new trademark concept called info seeds info seeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business practice or service is the best most cost-effective way to invite us in we only have a limited number of slots left For more information, visit the website, PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoC. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: We're back and delighted to welcome John Erickson, author of the Hank the Cow Dog series of children's books. With him is a group of homeschooled students who have gathered at his home in Perryton, Texas, to learn from him a bit about the process of writing. They are using as a text John's book entitled Storycraft: Reflections on Faith, Culture, and Writing from the author of Hank the Cow Dog. Thank you, John, and thank you, students, for joining us for this episode of On the Road with Mac and Molly. Hi, John. How are you Hi, John. It is just great to have you with us today. And, John, I wonder if we might begin with some history. Could you tell us a bit about who you are, where you're based, what your life is like on your Texas ranch, and how you came to start writing? And perhaps you might share, actually, in the midst of all of that, some of the challenges that you faced as you sought uh, an initial publisher for your first book.
4: I was raised in a a little farm and ranching community in the Texas panhandle called Perryton. And uh, when I was growing up during the drought of the 50s, I I didn't know that... uh, A Perryton kid could aspire to being a writer. Nobody in my community or family had ever done that. And uh, so I didn't write much when I was young and uh, until I was a senior in high school. And my English teacher assigned us a task of writing an original poem. And I found that it was easy for me, which was a surprise. And so as a senior in high school, I began writing poems for my English teacher. And uh, at the end of the semester, I gave her a handmade book, The Collected Poems of John Erickson. And that was my first book. I wrote a little more in college. I, I wrote editorials for the college newspaper, and I did well in classes where I could write essays. And uh, I took some writing courses, and uh, I didn't write in a disciplined way until I uh, married Chris in 1967, and that brought some order and discipline and meaning into my life. And I started writing every day in the beginning i think that was probably just an hour or two but i made it a habit of writing in the morning and uh that's a pattern that i've kept up for uh 43 years now and i go to my writing office we live on a ranch 40 miles southeast of Perryton that's where we are today and uh i write in the early morning then uh, i go out and do ranch work and uh I keep up that pattern. It's kind of a. Uh, I compare it to a mule pulling a plow. It's not terribly exciting, but it, it's a good discipline for uh, anyone who wants to be a professional writer because you can't wait for inspiration. You have to make your own. And following that that pattern, I've uh, managed to write fifty-seven Hank Cowdog books. It was very difficult in the beginning to uh, get my work published. It's uh, usually difficult for any beginning writer because there's so much competition and uh, if you read this the life histories of of authors most of them have stories to tell about going through a lot of hardship and disappointment before they ever found any success i've been reading uh... biography autobiography of uh, Lewis lamore and he talked about the difficult times he had in getting his work published and uh, I had to eventually start my own publishing company in Perryton, which was an unlikely place. It was a town that didn't even have a bookstore. But that's where I lived and that's where I started. Chris, my wife, was my editor in the beginning. And, uh, the artist for the Hank Stories was a guy named Gerald Holmes. He was working in a feedlot outside of Perryton. And, uh, I asked him to illustrate the books and, he did, and he's illustrated every one of them, never missed a, a deadline, which is pretty remarkable. All of this comes out of one little town with a population of somewhere between seven and 8,000, depending on the price of oil.
1: So I understand, or at least I had read somewhere, that the, the first books that you sold were actually to some cowboys as they were passing through. Is that true?
4: Well, in the beginning, my <laughs> audience was made up of people – who were making their living in agriculture and uh, when I was asked to do programs after dinner speaking it was always to agricultural groups most of them in the beginning were within 50 miles of my hometown but uh, I started going as far as Montana and uh, I even did a Hank program in Banff Canada for uh, the western barley growers and uh, they all loved the Hank stories and they laughed at the the stories, but there were never any children in the audience. And uh, I didn't have enough sense to want to be an author of children's books. It's it's a great place to, a a great marketplace for an author because children are excited about reading and uh, they're a very good place to sell books. I didn't know that, and uh, so I was trying to sell books to adults. But then I started getting calls from school librarians and teachers, kids taking their parents' books to school and reading them on the playground. So uh, that kind of detail gets the attention of librarians and teachers, and I started getting invitations to do programs in schools. And before long, I was known as an author of children's books, and uh, I still don't think of the Hank books as children's books myself. I have always tried to write for a three-generation audience that might be sitting around a kitchen table on a cold winter night and telling stories to each other. And probably the audience I have in mind is the, uh, the people that I live around here in the Texas and Oklahoma Panthers. But now they're, they're known as children's books. And, uh, I've, I've heard it said that the Hank books are the, the longest running children's series that's written by one author. There are mm-hmm. other series that have gone on 57 books, such as the uh, Hardy boys, but they're written by ghostwriters. And, uh, so I've written all of mine. I, I can vouch for
1: that. You said that you, you write for the people that you know there in Perryton. Can you describe the folks who were there and maybe share a bit about the central continuing characters and some of the storylines that you've had in the Hank series?
4: Well, the people in my hometown are uh, mostly involved in uh, farming, ranching, cattle feeding, or the oil business. Uh, some of them have small businesses on Main Street. But uh, this is definitely what you uh, what you would call small-town uh, heartland America. It's a nice little community where I grew up, and uh, it's where Chris and I came back to raise our kids. And uh, it's the kind of place that uh, had never had the experience of producing an author. I think Perryton would have been happier producing a... A running back for the National Football League, but they've gotten to the point where they decide maybe that's not a bad thing, and I think it's a good discipline for an author to live close because he has to uh, look them in the eye at the post office and at uh, school meetings and when he goes to church. And if he's giving them entertainment products that are have some kind of jagged edge or poison in it, he'll he'll definitely have to stand and uh, take the consequences of it. I think that movies and television programs would be better if authors had to come in contact with uh, the people in their audience.
1: And had some accountability, It's really what you're saying there. Yeah. Yes. So your characters, are they based, many of them, on individuals that you have met, on, on animals? Are there ones along the way that have been inspirations for your characters?
4: There was an Australian Shepherd that lived on a ranch in Beaver County, Oklahoma. I was working as a cowboy in Beaver County in the 70s. And uh, this dog belonged to my neighbor who was a rancher. And uh, Hank, was, uh, he had a good heart. He tried to help with the cattle work. He thought he was a wonderful dog, but people were always screaming at him and telling him to get out of the way, go to the house, get in the pickup. And he never understood why. And uh, I thought that was a funny character. He was a, a dog with no self-knowledge. And, of course, that's one of the main characteristics of Hank in the books. In the years since I knew that dog, uh, Hank has acquired characteristics of dogs that uh, I grew up with and dogs that we have on our ranch now. I get ideas watching our dogs. Grover was a, a little mutt of a dog who lived on a ranch I worked on in Texas near Perryton. And he was pretty much as I describe him. He was uh, a little dog who never got in trouble or did anything wrong, and he was scared of just about everything. When he got scared, he'd go hide in the machine shed. He wouldn't come out until the dust cleared. And Pete, the barn cat, was uh, a cat that lived on the same ranch the Drover lived on. And then uh, in the beginning, I was pretty much Slim and Slim Chance, bachelor cowboy, and Gerald Holmes uh, draws Slim to look the way I looked maybe 25 years ago when we started doing the series.
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: High uh, Loper was a guy that I worked with, and Sally Mae was his wife. And uh, Sally Mae's changed a lot over the years. I get a lot of Sally Mae ideas from my wife. She struggles to keep the dogs from destroying her yard and, and house. And, uh, oh, I there was a Beulah the Collie, and there was a Miss Camper the Beagle. They were dogs... We had a, a pet raccoon named Eddie the Rack. And uh, other characters just can't come out of my imagination. I don't really know where Junior the Buzzard and his father Wallace came from. I've never had a pet, pet buzzard. But you know what? <laughs> I was in Oklahoma a couple of years ago, and a mother and her junior high age son came up and showed me some pictures. It was pictures of two buzzards sitting on their front porch. They were pet buzzards. And they had found these buzzard eggs in their barn, and they put them under some turkeys that hatched them out. And I've heard wildlife people talk about birds bonding with the first person or animal that they see. And apparently, Mm -hmm. buzzards thought that this woman and her son were their parents. They said the buzzards were very intelligent and uh, very affectionate. That's kind of hard for me to imagine a buzzard being affectionate, but that's... That's what they said. And also, very smart. They could turn those buzzards loose. They flew. They were not kept on a perch. They would fly, and they could be a thousand feet in the air. And when that little boy walked out of the house, they would see him, and down they would come. So, there's a little buzzard story for you. <laughs>
1: Well, I uh, had mentioned, I think, in a conversation earlier with you that uh, there are folks here in Interior, South Dakota, on the Circle View Ranch, who were inspired by your stories to name their border collie Hank the Cow Dog. And uh, we're going to be speaking with them in a in just a little bit, but I wondered if uh, if you've heard of, of others along the way who uh, who maybe have have named their pep dogs or whatever for other characters in the book. I think it's really funny. I wasn't quite certain if you were saying that uh, I, I think at least my connection here I wasn't hearing whether the the buzzards you were talking about were named for the characters in your book. Was that right? Yes. Wallace and Junior, that's what I thought you said. So I wonder if you've heard other stories uh, akin to this, or, you know, or if perhaps at this point there might be one of the students or maybe a couple who are there with you who would like to share a little bit about how your books have been inspirational for them.
4: All right. Well, how maybe your family have used the Hank stories or enjoyed them.
3: My family plays music, and we go around to lots of elementary schools um, all around Amarillo and some in Oklahoma. And we promote Hank the Cowdog Books. And um, all the kids love John Erickson. And my dad will actually attempt to do some of the buzzard voices and um, Drover and Nerp and Snort, the Coyote Brothers. So we kind of spread John's stories whenever we can so.
1: <laughs> And who am I good talking good. to here? Who is this who's just come on?
3: Um, my name is Callie Milner. I'm from Oklahoma.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that with us.
4: One of these kids, his grandfather was uh, my math teacher when I was in high school, and he just pointed out that I wasn't a very good math student. (laughs)
1: Okay. talking
4: about people naming their dogs, Hank, I get a lot of fan mail at our website, hankthecowdog.com, and we get a lot of stories about from little kids all over the United States who have dogs or hamsters, parakeets, or even cats, named Hank the Cowdog. (laughs) And not also named Drover. Drover is a a very popular character with the kids.
1: I was going to say, too, that with you mentioned about Drover. With your 57th book coming out and uh, it being focused on Drover, did you ever imagine that when you began that there would be so many in the series? Did you ever... Consider back in the 1980s that you would still be at this point and that the books would have found such an audience or such a readership? It was actually both because you've got the audiobooks and the written as well.
4: The first Hank story was a short story that I wrote. It was published in the Cattleman magazine, I think, in 1981 or 82. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of a series of 14 stories that I wrote about funny experiences I'd had working as a ranch cowboy and uh, I gave no thought to that being literary or anything special. I didn't even consider it the best of the 14 stories. My favorite was one called Diary of a Bronk uh, that was narrated by a horse and named Casey. So I didn't uh, recognize the magic in the Hank stories until I was invited to read my stories aloud to audiences in this area, and I noticed that people got a huge... Uh, kick out of the Hank stories, and they start saying, you ought to do more with the dog. And if they hadn't told me that, I'm not sure that I would have had sense enough to write the first Hank book, but I did with no intention of writing a second one, never thought about becoming a series, never thought about becoming a children's series, and I never dreamed I would end up working for the dog, but that's the way it turned <laughs> out.
1: Can you tell us just, uh, just a little bit about the love that you have for, for Hank, for Drover, for other of your characters? And perhaps share a little bit about even the, the dogs and, you know, other animals that are in your life today that are particularly meaningful to you.
4: Well, in Storycraft, that book you mentioned, uh, I make the statement that only the maker of galaxies would have thought to give mankind such a marvelous gift as a dog. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a, that's a good quote. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's one that you can think about for a long time. It doesn't mean that everything our dogs do are, are perfect. Just, just like everything our children do is not perfect. A lot of the stories in the Hanks, the Hanks series, the thing that makes them so funny is that the dogs and the people are going in opposite directions. They don't really understand one another. And, uh, so Hank is looking at the human race through dog eyes and he doesn't understand why they're mad at him all the time. But there are some real good reasons why Sally Maid gets mad at Hank and chasing him around the yard with her broom. One is he destroys flower beds. He chews up her trowels and her hose and uh, her rakes. He uh, beats up her cat. He steals cat food every chance that he can get. He, uh, he lies in the overflow of the sewer and jumps on her. So I write about the comedy that occurs when dogs and people share the same space. It's not always peaceful. Uh, it's not always sugar and pie. It's usually funny. So all of us who, who actually live with animals, we understand that they sometimes make us so mad we scream at them. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. oh, yeah. I've got two. I, I spend a good bit of time doing that.
4: Right now we have two dogs on our ranch. Daisy is a yellow lab, and Dixie is a blue healer. And they are nice dogs to live with. They really like us. They want to please us. But they they do really stupid things. They probably don't seem stupid to the dogs, but uh, they, they cause us a certain amount of grief, such as eating my wife's iPhone and shredding up their bedding and their mattress in the front yard. On and on, I get a lot of my Hank stories by watching the antics of our dog. And, uh, of course, one of the things dogs do is they jump in the back of pickups and sneak rides to town when they're not supposed to. And that is where the disappearance of Drover starts, is the dog ending up in the back of the pickup and going to town with Slim Chance when he didn't invite them.
1: Well, so what's next for you, John? What are you working on now? We're going to see a, a 58th book about Hank and his friends?
4: Yes. As a matter of fact, number 58 is uh, already being put together and uh, it is called The Case of the Mysterious Voice. And in that story, somebody gives Slim and High Loper a parrot and the parrot is very good at talking and imitating other people's voices. And uh, he has a Real talent for getting the dogs in trouble by imitating the voices of the humans and telling, giving them commands to do things like bark all night <laughs> and eat the chocolate cake on the picnic table. And uh, I've written four or five Hank books beyond that. They're already written, and uh, I try to stay five or six books ahead of the, of the printer. And uh, so far, that's worked out pretty well. We are going to be bringing the publishing of the books Back to Maverick Books in Perryton in October, so we're getting geared up for that and we we are now the the publisher of the audiobooks and we we do a certain amount of uh, merchandise t- shirts and beanies and things uh, we're also talking to a, an independent movie company about doing an animated movie it's uh, talking to movie people is nothing new. we've been doing it for twenty five years but We're looking for someone who uh, respects our original audience, which is people in places like South Dakota and Perryton, Texas and Balco, Oklahoma, and and who will give them an entertainment product that I'm not going to be ashamed of. And uh, that's harder to do than you might suppose. I think we may be able to get it done sometime in the next few years.
1: You excited about that prospect?
4: Yeah, I'm almost worn out waiting for it to happen, but... It would be exciting to go to the Ellis Theater in my hometown and see a Hank the Cowdog movie and come out uh, feeling proud about it.
1: And now the books are also going to be available electronically. Is that
2: right?
4: Yes, we are working on that as we speak. We're upgrading our website. We're going to spend some money to uh, make a website that uh, the younger generation will be comfortable with. My son keeps telling me that our website now is shabby, so <laughs> we're going to upgrade it.
1: The address of that website is?
4: HankTheCowDog.com. Okay. We're even working on ringtones. That's something I never would have thought of, but my son, is Mark, is uh, going to uh, try to put together a series of ringtones, and he's already done one of them, and it's the theme song from the Hank audiobooks, and then it's me again, Hank the Dog. <laughs> and he then got on his phone. I'm not smart enough to figure out how to put it on mine but I'd like to have it. But we'll have we'll have a ringtone with Drober saying, Oh my leg
1: i like <laughs> Well it sounds like you have uh you have lots of fun with Hank and Drover and with all of the gang and and we've certainly had uh, fun today just having this chat with you. I don't know if there's anything that you'd like to say as we're uh, as we kind of close out our time together. Just give you an opportunity to add anything along the way that you'd like.
4: Well, you've got worn me out, and what I (laughs) haven't—these kids wore me out this morning. I talked for three hours, and and now you've been been pumping me for five minutes. So (laughs)
1: I'm—I'm about—and you're about done. Okay, stick a fork in you, right? There you go. All right, well, again, John, thank you so much. And thank you, students and the parents there who are uh, along with them today. We're just uh, very glad that you're able to be with us, and it has been lots of fun. And uh, just very grateful to you and, uh, and wish you well. All right, well, tell the folks in South Dakota hello. (laughs) <laughs> I will do that later in the show. We're going to be uh, visiting with Phil and Amy Cruz, who are the owners of the Circle View Ranch in in Interior, South Dakota, and their parents, who with their three children, share their lives with their own Hank, the cow dog. So we'll be talking with them in just a little bit. So everybody, we just would like you to sit and stay. We'll be right back.
0: Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Go to 1-800-PetMeds.com forward slash road R-O-A-D to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Whether they're big, small, hairy, or whatever, you're going to need gear for your feet. And Kids Foot Locker's got all the great shoes and gear that'll get you in the game. Go to kidsfootlocker.com and enter the code AFMAC1KF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFMOL2KF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at kidsfootlocker.com. And cover those funky feet. 20. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place with Win With Dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to Win With Dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week, right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Wynn with Dogs.
3: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on
0: Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. 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 PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Joining us now are Phil and Amy Cruz, owners of the Circle View Guest Ranch in Interior, South Dakota. In our first segment today, we spent time with John Erickson, author of the Hank the Cow Dog series of humorous mystery books for children. Well, Phil and Amy, we're just so grateful that you're with us today. Thank you for having us. <laughs> we uh, are obviously in this program uh, focusing a bit on Hank, the Cow Dog Series, and I understand that you were inspired by these books to name your own Border Collie after Hank. Could you tell us a little bit about your own cow dog and where and with whom he lives? And perhaps you might begin by describing the ranch and its setting and interior.
3: Okay. Well, yeah, we came to know Hank. He came to us one cold winter day. He was homeless out on the roadside. Somebody brought him to us knowing that we were interested in having a dog. He was black and white. He was fluffy. He was very small, probably too small to be away from his mother. So we decided to take him in and uh, I'm from Boise, Idaho from the big city and I had grown up reading Hank the Cow Dog about his adventures on the ranch so when we came across this dog my first thought was of course we had to name him Hank because he will live on the ranch and be a big part of the ranch and um, he's fit in quite well our house is up on top of a butte and he has a perfect vantage point to see out around the expansive ranch he sits up on top of the butte with his ears perked always scanning the ground below and he does take take his job as head of ranch security very seriously. He's very um, adamant about pointing out deer and turkey and porcupines and squirrels and skunks, and he likes to keep all villains at bay. And he's a very good job of keeping us all safe. (laughs) That's wonderful. All the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you tell us a little bit also about the ranch and its setting
2: and interior? Sure. It's a bed and breakfast. It's on a 2,800-acre ranch. We raise uh, black Angus cattle. We're a cow-calf operation, just a family-owned business, and I'm the third generation that grew up here in the Badlands. My grandfather homesteaded uh, what is part of now the Badlands National Park, which uh, borders our land, and the park headquarters is five miles from the ranch headquarters, and I took this great adventure of having a bed and breakfast, and we were opened in 2000. And uh, it's been quite an adventure having people from all over the world come and stay with us. And we do uh, mainly just overnight stays, people coming to see the Badlands in the surrounding area. But also we do some uh, hunting packages, uh, prairie dog hunting and deer and antelope, turkey hunting. And uh, we've enjoyed it very much.
1: Why was John Erickson's character of Hank an inspiration for you? And what's unique about your Hank and how did you sort of relate your own Hank to this cow dog character?
3: Well, of course, we needed a security guard, you know, because there are so many predators out here, at least that's what Hank seems to think, but he's very mischievous, but smart and dedicated to his job. He you can see it in his face that when when anybody is out walking he, he stands on guard and he takes it upon himself to be our guard dog and walk along with people when they're walking at the ranch. He tends to be playful with the chickens and the cat. We have a cat named Cowboy and our three burros. He tends to like to be the one to dominate over them and, you know, boss them around and put them in their place and remind them that he is the head of security around here. But he 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 matches the character in a lot of ways. He's very involved with what happens on the ranch, and and you know always always with us whenever we're out and about, and includes himself in most things that happen, as well as herding cattle too. I've seen him run behind a a cow when we're trying to move them, and maybe we have the cow where where she needs to be, but Hank Hank isn't uh, quite satisfied with his job, and he still wants her to know that. He's boss and will still torment the cow and, you know, chase the cow a little further than he really needs to just because he knows he can.
1: I know one of the misadventures that uh, Hank has had along the way was uh, being bitten by a rattlesnake. Are there uh, other adventures, perhaps, uh, in addition to herding the cattle and, and watching out for uh, all of the folks who are here oh, that, yes. that Hank may have had over the years?
2: Yes, he, ha- he had one great adventure, and it's, it's quite unique. Amy and I had went to uh, Idaho uh, to see her family, and my brother Charles was feeding the cows and taking care of Hank and, and Cowboy the cat. Well, when we got back, Hank had disappeared. And of course, we missed him. So we looked in all the outbuildings and searched and figured that he would show up. This was, uh, uh, we came back in January and this was uh, around the last week of December where he went missing, which was cold out. And so we searched and searched and had no uh, luck. And one week went by, two weeks went by, and we got qu- quite worried. So we put up uh, signs in the local uh, gas station. And the third week, somebody called us and said, we think we have your dog. And they lived in Kyle, which is on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And um, so I immediately followed her home. And sure enough, Hank was there.
3: it's about 30 miles from us.
2: Yeah, it was about 30 miles. So we were
3: baffled how in the world he got all the way out there.
2: Right. And I visited with the lady, and she went on the trail to Wounded Knee. There's a commemorative ride every year, and on Christmas Day, they come through the ranch every year.
3: Following the path of Bigfoot.
2: Following the path of of Chief Bigfoot uh, to Wounded Knee, the the trail he took. And they come through the ranch uh, Christmas Day every year, and it's another three days horseback ride to Wounded Knee. Well, Hank was a little lonely and decided to join the uh, ride and went with him to Wounded Knee. Which
3: is 80 miles. Which
2: is around 80, 90 miles from here. And then at the end of the ride, when they were loading up, they noticed that no one was claiming Hank and wondered who owned him. And this family took him in in Kyle. And then we were reunited with him about three weeks later.
3: So we always say he ran off and had a great adventure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, with our time together really kind of just drawing to a close here, I I wondered if you might share just some of your reflections on the Hank books that John Erickson has written. If there are special uh, moments in those books or if there are funny stories from them or one particular volume that particularly spoke to your heart. And uh, maybe if you could just kind of wrap up with speaking a little bit about what about the Hank the cow dog books you most especially appreciate?
3: Well, the one that comes to mind for the most part on my behalf would be the very first one when there was the murder in the chicken house because that exact same thing has happened here more than once. And of course, we depend on Hank to to guard our other ranch animals and keep them safe. And we did have something go through our chicken house once or twice. We woke up to feathers everywhere. And of course, we all pointed at Hank wondering if he was sleeping on on, while he was on the job um but a couple days after that happened you know we we blamed it on a skunk or a porcupine or something i did found find a half-eaten chicken on the side of the house which reminds me a lot of the story when when hank was blamed for not guarding the dog and then sally Mae found him eating a chicken so of course he looked quite guilty so that was my favorite story that reminds me of a lot of what happened to our hank but he's very special to the ranch, of course. He adds a lot of character and a lot of fascination to people who have read the books. And he, in a small way, does play as Hank the cow dog in the books when children come through and stay at the ranch. And he, um, he will be greatly missed when his time here is done. I don't think we would ever be able to replace him. And um, we thank John Erickson for giving us such an inspiration and uh, letting us use his character here on the ranch. And um, he's a very special dog and a good dog, and we, we really love him. Well, and uh, we're really just grateful
1: that you have taken this time with us today to share about life on the ranch and about your love for Hank the Cowdog books. And uh, Hank, your Hank is just a little sweetie pie. He really is a, a love and a wonderfully uh, warm greeter of those yeah. who uh, who visit here. And so yeah. I've been uh, the beneficiary of that uh, of that <laughs> greeting. And uh, again, I'm grateful to him and uh, and to you. For for taking the time with us today. Thanks for having us. Thank we enjoyed you. it. Well if any of our listeners today have their own Hank or Fred or Smokey or Junior or 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 just a beloved dog who has kept you safe or solved a mystery or had an adventure of some kind on your ranch or on your farm or in your house or in your apartment or or on the road. We'd love to hear your story. You can email me at the address found on my On the Road page here at PetLife Radio. As always, I'm so glad you tuned in today, and I hope you'll be with us next time as we head out on the road with Mac and Molly.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.